0: You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702 Masterclass. So do you think you have um, those moments when you think you have quite a settled opinion? You know, you have an issue, there's a particular topic, you have a very settled opinion on a matter. um, But when it comes to just airing it, when it comes to unpacking it, you run into dead ends during a discussion on that issue. Um, Maybe this masterclass will benefit you. Or think of a time when you argued with a friend, a parent, a boyfriend, a lover, a teacher, whoever. What was the quality of that exchange? And what do you think as well of the quality of debate in South Africa? I definitely think that we don't have enough of it happening at political level uh, between our politicians um, in order for them to thrash out their views on a particular matter all with the hope of persuading a third party in this case would be us, you know, the, the electorate. And we don't have that. We don't seem to, to get an opportunity to have the sparring of ideas or um, uh, these ideas being contested in a way that allows the public to be um, involved and in a way that allows it to, to be a, a fluid-structured uh, kind of of debate, I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Is there enough of a debate culture in South Africa? On the issues that matter so you can give us your thoughts your calls your experiences in fact with debating um, because that's what we'll be focusing on for today's masterclass because the reality is that nowadays debates are all around us we see competing arguments every day especially on social media um, you listen to the radio or on television you're likely to see the expression of this uh, competition of arguments uh, taking place but we don't always have time to always, you know, to just step back and think about issues in an in-depth manner. And even in formulating our position, how is that position uh, formulated and established? So this afternoon, we are focusing on this very important thing for society. Debate is important for any society because engaging in, in, in debate um, uh, is, is an opportunity for us to, to really thrash out the meat ...of a particular issue... Um, so we're joined by Dr. Petina Bwabing baidu And she is a medical doctor She's a motivational speaker, a debating coach As well as an author She's the executive board member of the South African Schools Debating Board Which is a non-profit organization They actually facilitate um, schools debating in uh, across the country And uh, she's also the previous winner of both the National University Debating Championships And the National Schools Debating Championships So um, she's got tons and tons of experience, hence she works in this arena to advance um, the the beauty of debate. Um, Good afternoon, Bettina. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Good afternoon, Asanya. How are you doing? I I am am well. I'm hashtag fan girling right now. I am so humbled and blessed (laughs) to be here. I am like, is this really happening? Um, I'm such a fan of the show. I grew up watching and listening to Talk Radio 702 in the mornings on the way to school. Mm So this is such a dream come true. So thank you for having me on the show.
0: Yes, lovely to have you on. And returning to you, of course, to give us this masterclass. You know, a masterclass is a chance for us to just immerse ourselves in a topic and get the ins and outs of it, mm. um, and we get the thousand you do the 10,000 hours, we get the benefits of your 10,000 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's start by your approach. You know, as an organization, what is your approach around what debating is? Um, and I also mm. want your thoughts on what makes a great debate.
1: Mm. So as the SA Debating Board, we believe that debating is an essential tool to teach critical thinking. And I think that sort of starts to answer the question you raised at the very beginning of the session about what is missing in the debating scope and the debating atmosphere in South Africa. And I think what is missing is the ability for individuals to engage with topics in a way that allows for critical thinking. And critical thinking at its basis is the ability to critique a point from all angles, Mm -hmm. even the angle that includes your own, where even you look at that point through your own positionality, and then you step into the shoes of other people, other circumstances and see how would they view that point. So the way that we do debating is that we give learners a topic and we ask learners to debate on that topic. And at times they might be on the side of the topic that they disagree with. And what that forces them to do is to construct the best arguments they can construct for the opposing side of their view. So they start to see the view from so many different perspectives, mm. so many different angles before they consolidate their own view and what is important to them So as a debating board We use debating As a mechanism To facilitate Critical thinking skills To facilitate That process Of critiquing Your opinions Critiquing your Status in society So the debate format Is just a fun way For us to do it But essentially We're trying to teach people How to think critically, How to argue yeah, yeah. Critically Yes
0: uh, I like that the, the fact that You get to also argue Points or uh, positions That you might not Agree with Because it's mm. easy Easy to defend mm. something you believe in. It's very hard to defend mm. something you don't believe yes. in.
1: Yes. Definitely. And I think the importance of that is what is creating this polarized society we live in now Um, a society where you have your one opinion, you have your one idea, and you don't necessarily critique that. And I love what you said at the beginning of this session that debating is not just about the arguments you advance in opposition to something else, it's also about the way you argue with yourself to develop the premise of your self-identity, what you believe in, what you believe to be true, and that process to be a process that goes through a number of critiques where you analyze all that's out there that is informing your opinion before you solidly believe in something. Um, so my motive in life is to find as many good arguments against my position as possible before ever deciding on something. Um, And then I can know that I'm fully believing in
0: it. I love that because I think that it's also important to listen or follow people that we don't necessarily agree with. Um, And that Mm -hmm. also helps to kind of help us interrogate our position that if we were only in an, in, in an echo chamber where all we focused on was yes. the choir that we're singing with. Then yes. we really don't get to stretch ourselves. I mean, just the other day I listened to a podcast on, uh, and I was completely opposed to that position. And I had to force myself to finish it and to really listen with an oh. open ear to a position oh. that I completely disagreed with. And in the end... Oh looked at the merits of the arguments that was being made see the value in what was being said and still be able to come back to my position to say yeah mm. it, it, that that's also another a, a reality what is being said is mm. a reality there's no denying that however mm. you know i it does not shift or change um the fundamental position that i i i i i, um, I agree with so there's incredible value in that
1: mm-hmm. No, definitely. And as a board, I really love what you're saying. As a debating board, What we are trying to get across is the idea that critique is not negative. Mm -hmm. You can critique something and still support it and believe it. Mm. I can find flaws with a democratic system. I can find flaws with a social position I have or a social movement, but still ascribe to that movement. It gives me a more holistic approach to that topic because I know what its flaws are. I can invest in trying to be part of the solution to those flaws because problem solving is an essential part of critical thinking, but I can also advance the strengths of that system once I've critiqued it. So critique is not a negative. It's not to say it's bad. I completely disagree, but I'm opening myself up to suggestions. So really, that is a beautiful way to put it in terms of what do we mean by critique? And I think that lends us nicely on to, I think, one of the most fundamental lessons um, I would like to, you know, give listeners today. And I think one of the fundamental lessons that debating has equipped me with, and I always tell my learners, and as coaches in the essay debating sphere, we always tell our learners that debating is not only about argumentation, it is more a skill about how to listen. Uh Because what you are essentially doing is listening well. Because listening well is the premise of engagement, right? Once you've listened well, you can engage. So the first thing we teach learners, okay, so how do you listen? You know what are you listening for, and how do you listen? I think that's an important, um, you know, thing to tap into, um, you know, for everyone that is watching this or listening to this program.
0: Absolutely. But then, do any of them say or acknowledge that uh, they're listening with the view of or waiting to make their point?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. So we start to ask them. Okay, so we put them in a scenario. So when you're arguing with your parents. (laughs) <laughs> you know, what frustrates you about that argument, right? And what they would say is that their parents are listening for the thing that is wrong about their argument so they can jump in and be like, aha, I told you, you know, this is bad. So mm-hmm. that's the way we normally listen in society is we're listening for disagreements. So we're listening for what can I disagree with and what is the easiest thing for me to disagree with from this person's point or from this person's argument. But listening is not about that. Listening is a more holistic skill, and it's a skill of listening for, one, agreement, because agreement is a very powerful tool. And what we teach our debaters is that consensus is a very powerful tool because it creates common ground. And when we have common ground, we can have a place from which to analyze what our difference is. So to use an example of, for example, fees must fall and the fees must fall movement, somebody might agree that education is an important tool. And we can find common ground that we all believe education is an important tool in tertiary education. Mm -hmm. What we might be disagreeing with is whether or not that should be completely free and whether or not this mechanism is an appropriate mechanism for our South African society and is it feasible narrowing down that conversation allows us to have a more diverse engagement with that point so when you are listening you're not just listening for disagreement you're listening for points of agreement as well Mm. points of consensus and essentially what you're also listening for is if I were to give this argument in the best way how would I say this argument in a way that gives this argument the most amount of merit because once you've understood it from that perspective you can start to really engage with the topic at hand
0: Yes. Ah, uh, um, and I wonder what our listeners think of the way in which we listen as a country, the way we listen to each other on mm. the very important issues from our past and things that were still grappling with at the moment. It's been said that South Africa is a very noisy country, but do we have enough Mm. quality listening? Do we have enough Mm. quality debate that's going on on the things that matter? So you can give us your views. 11 A WhatsApp has come in on 072-702-1702 and Kingsley from Germiston says, good afternoon Dr. Ralph Mateja once said in an interview that he fears that our debates are marked by intolerance to such an extent that he had become cautious of being invited to panels um, together with intolerant individuals. My personal view is many of our debates are often emotional, unsubstantiated and quick to descend in personal attacks. That's Kingsley's view from from Germiston. um The place of emotion. Is there a place of, yeah. for emotion because... Uh, one of the things that comes up with debate often is that you've got to express a passion for what it mm. is that, you, that, mm. that, you, uh, argue, that you're debating for or against. You've got to express that passion. And I mean, passion is an expression of, of emotion. Um, but how do you tackle the place of emotion in debate?
1: So that's such an amazing point and something that I struggled with as a debater growing up. Mm. I mean, I was always told in my debating team that I was too emotive. Um, I was too angry. And I I was a very angry debater. I'm a very passionate speaker. A lot of the issues affect me directly and I'm very passionate about it. I definitely think there is a place for emotion. And I think this goes back to what um, I tried to see at the beginning of this as well, is that critical thinking happens from different points of view. I think one of those point of views that are valuable is your own, is what is informing my belief in this? And why do I feel so emotionally attached to this? There is a place for that. There is a value in understanding that point of view and that perspective. But there's also a value in stepping out of that role and examining that argument from another point of view, from a neutral point of view, from somebody who isn't affected by this the way that you are affected, and see what they would say about the situation. That's not to say or to invalidate your lived experiences, but it's helping you to see the argument from different sides. And critical thinking is about that process, about the process of formulating your opinion, formulating argumentation through the lens of different perspectives. And one of those perspectives should be your own, I think. One of those perspectives should be the emotions that you attach to and the emotions that you have. And with regards to the debate itself and being in an argument, I think it's very good to be emotive i think you can still listen well while being emotive i think you can still be structured while being emotive i think you can still deliver a good argument while being emotive and emotion helps to supplement those tools but it's not a place for those tools it doesn't um take the place of argumentation mm-hmm. and of arguments
0: yeah let's place that in the real world let's place that uh, because mm-hmm. the reaction that um Emotive uh, argumentation Often gets mm. is that You're too emotional, I can't talk to you like this right mm. now If you're like this then I can't talk to you And it's used to shut down Conversation, it's used to shut down uh, a Debate or Argument on any given issue Which is um, An easy, cheap way Out, considering as you Say, many of the issues That uh, are put as A debate are likely to be Very emotive matters
1: Yes, definitely. And It's part of the skills we try to give students as a a debating board. And we speak about logical fallacies. So when somebody is critiquing your argument, what fallacies are they using within their argument to critique it? And what you've pointed at is one of the logical fallacies where someone is not responding to the way you constructed your argument, Mm -hmm. they're rather responding to the way you said the argument. They aren't denying the content of that argument, the validity of that argument. They're denying the manner in which that argument came across and that's one of the critiques of a logical fallacy um, that exists within debating as well. And I think it is a cheap you know cop out of your responsibility to still argue about the point of view that the other person is trying to get across. So there are a number of logical fallacies that we teach the learners to engage with and I think understanding logical fallacies helps you to avoid those fallacies when you are making argumentation and when you are engaging with debating itself. Mm. Um, so that's, that's an example of it. I'm not sure if you want more examples. Yes, of I was but, about you
0: know, to say, <laughs> can, can, we see, can we just hear more of those examples that you use yes. to demonstrate this to young people?
1: Yeah. So another example we use is, for example, the idea of misrepresentation of a person's argument. So, for example, if you say to your you know, partner or somebody you're in a relationship with that I feel angry that you are not communicating with me. And then your partner goes on to say, are you saying then that I'm a bad boyfriend? That is a complete misrepresentation of what the argument is aimed to prove. The argument had a very specific conclusion. The conclusion was about communication and communication being a problem and the partner not investing in communication. It misrepresents that argument because it gives us a different conclusion that was never part of the way that the partner intended for that argument to speak about. So we sometimes refer to that as straw man, misrepresenting the argument. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it's misrepresenting the argument that somebody tried to speak about is one of the very common ones that we see even from our top debaters at times. Um, the next kind of fallacy is what we call a slippery slope type of fallacy. So it's where we equate event A um, happening to prevent Z. So, for, for, So for example, what that means is if I was talking about the legalization of marijuana mm. and I went on to say, if we legalize marijuana, that will mean we will, we will legalize every bad substance in the world and our society will then become destroyed. And people make these very large log- logical jumps. At, because this one event is happening, another event is going to lead to that or cause that. And they exaggerate the kind of effects that happen. And that's called a slippery slope type of argumentation, which happens a lot uh, where people <laughs> do that and really make... Very large assumptions based on very little um, you know evidence, um, the next one would be about causality and problems of causality, so for example, because b happened after a, therefore a must have caused b and one of the big examples of that is with the whole vaccination debate around autism um, and the kind of logical conclusion that was drawn was that because, um, you know, a vaccine came and the levels of autism increased, therefore autism was caused by that um, vaccine. And that's what we call a problem, like a causality issue. So two events happening close to each other or after each other does not mean you've established a link between the two. You haven't given us reasons to believe that this vaccine is the actual cause. And there are ways you can go about maybe arguing for that, but you have to draw out those reasons as opposed to relying on the time factor yeah. as a reason, in you know, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. So those are the types of fallacies you teach young people yes. to to be able to identify in argumentation. Yes. And yes. how yeah. so does the, how do you yeah. respond? How do you how how would you suggest what we should respond to these?
1: Perfect. So I think in response to that, so it's first identifying it, saying not necessarily using the terminology that we <laughs> teach the learners. Yes. So you wouldn't say you're man so Amy. <laughs> um, you know that's wrong. <laughs> So you, you're just you're or so, exaggerating. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sometimes they do that. Are oh, they very cute? Yes. Um, but, yeah, so the aim of it is more so to point out what that or how that um response has misrepresented your argument or why that response is failing. So you point out the logical flaw of it. So what they've done is exaggerate our consequence. We meant to say this. We meant to across this kind of consequence, their response to this is an over-exaggeration of what we were trying to aim for. So in terms of how you would do that in an interaction, you would point out what is logically wrong with that. Um, so you'd explain to the person why that is a flaw and how they've gone about misconstruing your argument. And that's really important because that allows us to have authentic engagement. When we start to respond to people's arguments the way they intended it to to be said and the way they intended it to be meant. We can start to authentically engage with those arguments and that's how we would go about training them to do this. And of course this takes a lot of practice to identify it um, and you know that's why we have so many competitions and debates that we try and teach them with this as well as a lot of resources that we make available to them for them to be able to engage with these kind of
0: logical flaws. Yes, I want to touch on judging. We'll do that a little bit later. That, you know, Mm. what are judges looking at, especially now that you've Mm. outlined some of the fallacies and um, we'll talk about whether or not this is also a strategic tool. You know, (laughs) the other opposing team will try and kind of... Just destabilize you a little bit by throwing in (laughs) one of these fallacies, but we'll get into that a little bit later, even though Mm. in the real world, when I think about so many of the fallacies that um, Bettina has pointed out, we see it all the time. Um, And so... Is the other person aware that this is what, that they're straw manning, that they're straw manning the issue and you can't get anywhere as a result? Do they do it deliberately or are they just not skilled at proper structured argumentation? Are they even interested in an outcome where there is consensus or where you find common ground? 702. Masterclass. We continue our masterclass this afternoon with Dr. Bettina Boeng Baidu and she is an executive board member of the South African Schools Debating Board they a non-profit Organization that uh, facilitates school debating across the country. And she's also a previous winner um, of, uh, she's a debating champion both at university and school level. And um, she's written a book. She's a medical doctor, motivational speaker, debating coach. Just as you can hear all around, a fantastic uh, guest to have for this conversation this afternoon because debate is so important for any society that we need to engage in debate so that we can find that conversation Common ground. We can start to create or have a a mutual understanding on the things that make South Africa, South Africa, common agreement, common understanding of what makes South Africa, South Africa, and where we would like to get to and how we will do that. But it seems from the contributions that I've seen so far that we don't have quality debate going on. And so it's important to teach these critical skills, um, to our young people, which is the work that the South African Schools Debating Board, um, the work that they do. Tiatu says there is in fact not much debating going on. It's screaming matches. The topic loses its eth- essence in the midst of um, in the midst of it all, because the protagonists are no longer engaging or interested with it, but rather interested in their dogmatic positions. That's TR2 on Twitter. Peter joins us now from Pretoria. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm good. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for your patience. Um, you have some experience <laughs> in debate? Yes. <laughs>
2: okay, maybe I should start saying a good day to your visitor and the seven or two listeners.
0: Wonderful. Welcome, Peter.
2: Yes. So if I can just say a letter, on a later note, my experience with debating. When I was in high school, many years, I think I was doing a trick in 1996. Mm -hmm. A fellow classmate actually recruited me. We needed to debate with another high school. I think the topic was during that time when South Africa started importing doctors from Cuba or training them in Cuba, something like that, if I can remember. Mm -hmm. So yes, I was pleased with him eventually, I, ag- I agreed, then of course I prepared, I prepared as me, I can promise you, <laughs> then I shared some of my arguments with the guy who recruited me, he was part of the, there were four of us, so I can't remember whether we were for or against the idea, Yeah. so what happened is, during the day of the debate, the guy made sure that he goes before me, for some reason, <laughs> he had stolen my argument, yeah. Now he went there, ventilated all my arguments, two-page worth, hmm. and I was left with nothing. Now you can imagine, now it's my turn. There was nothing for me to say in front of like almost maybe 500 or 600 people. So I was so, so embarrassed. So yeah, I thought you yeah, must just share that you know, on a lighter note to say
0: Yes. It, it you doesn't know, sound yeah. like the, you, you worked in structuring it. As a team, or oh, hence you were, yes. you were, all you, you were emphasizing the fact that you prepared. I swear, I yes.
2: prepared because my this, this is hard when I.
0: because people in the audience might have had a different yes. perspective. Did you win that debate at all, Peter?
2: Fortunately, our group won the debate, okay. but you see, myself personally, like yeah. I have little to say because the guy has stolen all my. How mm. I am not sure even how he did it today. And every time I meet him, we still meet each other now and then. Come across, you know, we still talk about it. So I, you, what you did, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> for that. <laughs> yes, what a terrible baptismal into debating. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for sharing your experience. <laughs> so, Bettina, you know, you've seen these young teams. Um, it does yes. need to be structured because. Take us through the structure of how this, uh, an argument or, or, well, a debate rather, let's say a debate because it is in, uh, in, in a competitive setting, the world of uh, yes. debate in a competitive setting, how would it proceed, how would it be structured?
1: Oh, Zania, thank you. I'm still laughing at <laughs> um, the experience um, he shared. I've seen that so many times and you just see the shock on the child's face when they hear their arguments oh. being said by the other speaker like why are you betraying me though? Like why? It's it's so hilarious. Um, so no thank you for sharing that experience with us. So we try and um, simulate a competitive style of debating, there are many different variations debating can take. So the style that we use predominantly in our organization is called World School Style Debating. There's another style called British Parliamentary, which is a style that's mostly used in university debating. Another style called Model UN Debating, which simulates more diplomatic situations and diplomatic engagements between countries. So with the style that we use is three speakers on each team. Um, one team is for the topic, one team is against the topic and each speaker has about six to eight minutes to speak on that topic and they sort of follow from each other. So we'll have one speaker from the team that's for the topic, followed by the speaker that's against the topic mm-hmm. and that structure will sort of flow all the way throughout. Mm-hmm. So that's the basic structure of our competition. And
0: so if you're in the same team, it's clear that you will touch on this, I will touch on this and we will make our big argument in steps. Hopefully. Or from different <laughs> perspectives. Yes hopefully. yes, hopefully. Hopefully. That is the aim. Um, yeah.
1: It doesn't always happen like that, um, as um, as the uh, previous caller pointed out. Mm. But the aim is that they are tackling this topic, so they have an hour to prepare. So we'll give them a topic, we'll give them a motion, and they have an hour to prepare for that topic. Sometimes the motion might be pre-prepared, so they might receive that topic beforehand. But the idea is that as a team, they are deciding on what arguments they want to use in that debate, but also practicing the skill of prioritization. Right. We need to give some arguments to the first speaker. They are the speaker that's speaking first, so they must touch on the more important issues. Now we're going to strategic thinking. How do you determine what is a more important issue in answering a question or in dealing with a topic. So now they start to grapple with the idea that not everything you say on a topic is relevant. And not everything you say on a topic is of equal importance. And you need to be able to make those two key distinctions for yourself in constructing a case or in trying to create a case. And that's the kind of skill we teach them through that kind of group dynamic where they have to, you know, think about an issue. But even within that, there's so much fighting that happens in, you know, the sessions and they are, you know, battling with this topic back and forth. And that engagement itself, a really good process for them to go through in terms of, you know, team collaborating. You know, the essential part of critical thinking is problem solving. The problem we are trying to solve in this debate is coming up with arguments for this issue. How do we creatively go about trying to do so? Um, So that's how we sort of structure it to simulate those very important tools of engagement
0: yes you talked about listening earlier you know the power of listening in fact one of our listeners um from abigail baidu interestingly as well says listening from ghana oh, wow. yes A saying i've learned oh, yes. you know abigail <laughs> yes my sister yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, as she says that I've learned debating is essentially anchored in listening. Um, so as you were saying earlier, you know, this is such an important skill um, as part of debating. But all the while, yes, you're listening. This, that's important. But all the while, you need to think really fast because you've got to provide mm-hmm. um, a, a response that that serves your position. Um, so. Mm-hmm. How do you train then young people to to do all of these multiple things to a quality level? And uh, by extension, of course, how can we learn to do it uh, when we're in the midst of a debate or an argument?
1: Definitely. So I think I'll answer that question in two parts. So the first part is something you touched on very early on in the show, and that's about a structure to your thoughts, but also a purpose for your position. So everything is informed by the end goal, the end goal of your case, the end goal of your argumentation. There's a place you want to take the listener to. There's something you want to develop, a consensus you want to reach. And having that end goal in mind allows you to establish what is important when you're listening to respond, what you need to engage with, and what's also the Goal of the other team. Bearing that in mind as well gives you that kind of structured way to go about processing that. With regards to doing all of these things simultaneously, it really is a sport, and that's why my debaters always get angry when I tell them debating is a sport, and they're like, "No, babe, you're lame. It's not." Um, and I'm like, "It is." <laughs> definitely is a sport because it is a practicing tool. I think that's what we get wrong with critical thinking is that we think we're gonna hear someone talk about it once and we're gonna leave it and we're gonna understand all about it. But it's such a practicing tool to listen out for the logical fallacies he spoke about in the beginning, mm-hmm. to listen out for how to construct your argument. All of those things are things that you are essentially trying to prove. So for quick tips in terms of now, in terms of how do you go about structuring an argument, the first thing you always want to think about is that conclusion, that point that you want to prove and that point that you eventually want to get across to the, um, to the adjudicator to the person that's listening, and from there you want to ask yourself: If I was listening to this point, what what steps would I need that person to go through to convince me of this argumentation? But also, what would I need them to respond to on the other side to convince me against that uh, other argumentation? So that's a framework that you can put yourself in when you start to analyze debating in that manner.
0: Mm. I wish I so wish we had more of it happening at a political yes. level. Really, really wish we had more of it. Um, um, we are getting... We, we're we going to take a break and then we're going to get into the final segment of today's Masterclass with Dr. Bettina Boabeng-Baidu. And um, she joins us to talk about... Well... To, Really give us a masterclass on the art of debating as part of um, the South African Schools Debating Board. She's an executive board member um, and she's also a debating coach. Their work is about facilitating um, school or debating within schools. And as you've heard, there's so many important skills that young people get to learn from Um, uh, Participating in in, uh, debating Um, They get to have uh, uh, To develop public speaking skills On the one hand They get to learn to engage with opposing views And also to build an argumentative strategy And these are all things that we could all learn If you're going to get embroiled into um, A debate or discussion with someone on social media Or in any kind of setting um, Within the boardroom Uh, whatever if, if there is an opposing position and you need to express yours how do you structure it how do you put forward your position how do you demonstrate that critical thinking on an issue so there's great value even for all of us who might not be taking part in a competitive setting 702 masterclass and we're back on our masterclass on debating and the art of argumentation. Well, we should also say uh, debating and rhetoric. In fact, my guest, Dr. Bettina Buabeng-Baidu, um, uh, is still with us. And there's a question, in fact, on rhetoric. Tai Tu wants to know, Bettina, she says, uh, he says, please ask your guest, what is the significance of Rhetoric in debate is similar. Um, the the one used by the late Christopher Hitchens, he says. So what is the significance? I've got a book on my bedside that I've been meaning to get into called The Art of Rhetoric, you know, based on Aristotle's writing. I just haven't gotten into it. But Titu's point about the significance and the use of rhetoric in debate.
1: So I think there's a wrong assumption that there isn't a place for it in debating and that everything in debating, which is true, everything in debating needs to have reasons for why it's true. I think we're really just touching the surface of so much um, that goes into constructing an argumentation. I wish we had more time. I think rhetoric is important in the ability to stylistically put across the point, which is another essential point of debating um as much as we're talking about the way you formulate arguments the way that you demonstrate arguments another very important style is delivery and you know rhetoric informs a lot of that delivery because it speaks to you know, kind of shared experiences, lived experiences that we can use and that we can grapple with um when we are presenting our argumentation. So there is definitely a role for it. But I think once it's backed up with reason, so the important thing we tell our learners is why. Everything you say in a debate needs to have a reason. Why are you saying that? Why is that true? What evidence can you give to prove why that is true? Once it's tied in with the other skills of debating then that role of rhetoric um, becomes powerful and becomes more vivid.
0: Mm, so you also include it, you teach it in in depth. Is it at any particular level or even at high school level?
1: So it's so most of our debating is focused on high school level. We're trying to branch out more into primary schools as we see the value of it even there. Younger. But yeah, mm. so we do... Yeah, because definitely in terms of, I think everything you've been saying, um, Azania, with regards to the importance of argumentation in politics, I mean, as a medical doctor, I argue a lot and you don't think that that's a place where you would be using argumentation skills, you know, when I was learning or when I was in school. Um, so these skills are very diverse in terms of where you apply them, mm-hmm. and where you use them. Um, so, yeah, so we try and also teach it there, but definitely we include rhetoric in our kind of teaching us. As a persuasive tool when it is used in conjunction with other tools of debating.
0: Right. So let's look at the adjudication. So we can also know how to judge whether or not this is a strong argument, whether or not this is a solid debate. Because as the third party, no doubt you would, the the, the point, of course, is to persuade the third party as the adjudicator. So Mm. if I have two politicians trying to persuade me, sadly we know, but anyway, but if I have then uh, um, two particular uh, positions and I'm the third party what am I looking for as um, as a means of saying this is uh, in order to adjudicate or in order to judge I would say in the in the ordinary citizen's perspective in order to judge whether or not it, which is a better argument
1: mm. so we have a so we teach the learners that we judge their debates based on content, based on style and based on strategy. And within those categories, we have different things that make something good content, make something good style and make something good strategically. So within content, we talk to them about how substantiated was that point? How many reasons and links did they give to support that point? Was there evidence to back up that point? Did they use examples? Did they use scenarios to convince you of that argumentation? Did they prove to you that argumentation was important for that debate? So within the you know criteria of content, we break it down in those ways. So substantiation, evidence that they've provided as well as the logical flow of that content was it structured in a way that made sense for the final point you were trying to prove and the same would apply to style so it's not really about accent or anything like that mm. it's more about whether you're using the stylistic tools of language to get across their point where they're using tone and volume and pace to present their arguments in a way that is believable and that persuades someone to want to listen to them and to want to engage with them And then strategies about how that all fits in together. So did they fulfill their role in that debate? Were the arguments they brought up in relation to the debates we were having? Um, How did that tie into the other speakers that were there with regards to their team structure? So that's the way that we would engage. I think the biggest lesson for you know everybody on a non-debating space would be judging content mm-hmm. and judging when an argument is good and that would be based on substantiation based on evidence but also the consideration of the opposite arguments so were they preemptive did they give you reasons to not you know to why they don't engage with the other side. Do They present the best arguments of the other side and still deconstruct the logic of the other side. Then that's a fully fleshed argument because it's even giving you the considerations of the opposing team.
0: Listen to this uh, message that we just received, Bettina. It says, I live in a townhouse complex listening to your master class. I so wish that the trustees on our body corporate would acquire some constructive debating skills. There are about three <laughs> to four trustees who at each AGM or meeting end up in a heated spat. And storm off like petulant children. <laughs> and everybody's stuck in between oh, wow. all of this. So uh, <laughs> there's no doubt that the skills that debating teaches are needed, they're transferable, they apply to the real world and you know can help us to get somewhere on a particular issue can you imagine people storming off when they matters to be resolved so bettina thank you so oh. much may you continue to spread um these particular skills across south african schools incredible work that is being done there thank you very much for joining us
1: no thank you Azania. i think we touched on uh, i hope it wasn't too simplistic for everyone we touched on very um, you know, topics that we can definitely go into okay. broader detail. And if you want any information, you can definitely check out our website at essaydebating.org All these resources are there um, that you can read up for yourself in terms of argument construction.
0: You can always get in contact with us as well. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Wonderful. That's Dr. Bettina Boabeng-Baidu, org.